Hello mortgage fans, um, so we're back for another mortgage market update and uh, this time what we're going to do is break down in a lot more detail um, the figures we got for inflation, what impact that's having on the mortgage market because it's twofold. Um, I'm not going to talk in great depth around inflation because um, other people do it far better than I, but what I will do then is talk about what lenders are doing specifically with their interest rates on their products, which is a big impact on where that's going to go this year. But secondly, what we're also finding is lenders are changing their affordability models, um, and that means how much money they're willing to lend people in certain situations uh, where people can now borrow less than they did a while back, and this is all very much related to to inflation, the great cost of living squeeze, all those things. So that's what we're going to sort of pick up on today. Um, if you get a bit of an echo as well, um, firstly, my apologies. Um, this is probably the last update I'm ever going to do in our office because we're getting rid of it next week. So it's fairly empty. So if there's an echo, my apologies. So a bit of a sad day for me, but we move on um, as many people are with this hybrid working business, which we'll be trying from here. But more importantly, um, the figures around last week. So everyone saw the updates really. Inflation hit 9%, which is a 40-year high, um, which is as old as me. So yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen a situation like this. Um, has thrown up a couple of things. Um, I actually watched a quite a large slice of Andrew Bailey, who's the governor of the Bank of England, when he was talking to the select committee. Um, and he used the word apocalyptic. Uh, which I think was a slight lack of judgment. I think um, economists should always stick to headwinds, forward pressures, words that no one really understands. I mean, and actually, to fair to him, he did say, this is where I'm going to sound apocalyptic. But uh, I think a man of his stature would understand what tabloids would do to that. But anyway, um, it's certainly very difficult. And if you did listen to that report, or if you sort of done some reading around this, the really interesting dynamic is um, he believes 80% of inflation is actually international. Um, you know, we're looking at food prices go up, energy prices go up. Um, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out why. You've got one of the world's biggest energy suppliers invading one of the world's biggest food suppliers. So no surprise, um, that's been, been an issue. So it does sort of throw up a really complex sort of situation of why, why raise interest rates as, as we're set to do this year. Because if 80% of it you can't control anyway, how is raising interest rates going to help? That's a really tricky one. Any economists listening to this, I'd love to know. Um, but I think, I mean, there's, there's, there's a number of things. I mean, it is good to get away from ultra-low interest rates. I completely understand that. It's not great if you've got a mortgage, but it should hopefully incentivize more people to either save or pay off debt um, than keep borrowing. So actually, fundamentally, that is a really good thing. I support It's quite positive. But it, is, it just, just shows what a difficult dynamic the Bank of England have. Um, and, and that's sort of what I want to round to on this is, you know, our market expectation, um, and if you look at money markets, which I'll touch on in a second, um, you know, the new norm for interest rates is looking like it's going to be around 2%. Um, if you are so inclined, if you look at all the figures on the Bank of England's website, and if you look over their 350-year history, um, you'll see that the long-term average for interest rates in the UK is about 5%. So being at 2% is still less than half the long-term average. That's still really, really cheap. So I think that's why the Bank of England are quite willing to just nudge things up because actually in real terms, it's not going to affect people. However, the, the huge caveat around this, this ridiculous cost of living squeeze that people are going through. So it's a really, really tough dynamic. But just to put some figures to this, I looked at some money markets just before um, I recorded this. And as of Friday, um, two-year money is at 2.19% and five-year money is at 2.06%. So that really backs up sort of 2% going to be sort of the long-term norm. We'd probably be within half a percent above or below that pretty for a, for a good while yet, yeah, 20, 30 years, I suspect. Well, let's see, because the one thing you can ever predict is the stuff you can't predict. Um, so that makes predictions a bit pointless, but that's a whole separate topic. Um, to bring it back into our world then, so just sort of... Um, 
to really, really highlight the impact this is having on mortgage rates, which is really not insignificant. They, they have gone up quite considerably. Um, the lowest five-year fixed rate ever offered um, was by Platform, um, which is the lender of the cooperative bank, um, which was 0.91% in September last year. That was the lowest five-year fixed ever rate on the market. Um, again, as of Friday, um, the lowest rate you can get right now is 2.45%. Now, it's interesting, the, ba the bank base rate has gone up 0.9% in that time, but yet the best mortgage rate has gone up one54 And you'll find that's because the trajectory is clear. You look at money market rates, rates are going to keep rising. So banks just don't deal with what's going to happen today. They sort of forward guess as well. So that's probably why mortgage rates have really jumped the early part of this year. Um, so again, there's two ways you can view that. You can view that as a 222% increase in costs, which I think it is. Or you can sort of say look, it's still half the long-term rate. And, and again, I was bang on about this. I started mortgages in 1999. I believe the Bank of England base rate was at 5.5% at the time. So if your mortgage rate started with a 6 that was a market leading rate. So you do feel that, you know, uh, I remember sort of the affordability was sort of, as long as it doesn't take up a third of your take home pay, um, you know, we're sort of fairly happy to grant loans around that time. So affordability is still very, very comfortable in that context. However, the inflation stuff is obviously a big factor, um, which is interesting then. If you sort of transpose that into the property market, I looked at some figures from the Office for National Statistics, uh, and they believe up to March, um, UK house price inflation is at 9.8%. Um, which is quite interesting because that's really only keeping pace with inflation. So you could argue, if you're seeing house prices go up, actually they're not going up in real terms. A good economic sort of phrase for you there. And I look specifically into London. London has only gone up 8.1% in the last uh, 12 months. So actually, arguably, London property is still lo losing value. Um, so very, very strange situation. I certainly don't remember a set of circumstances like this where, you know, house prices going up by, you know, give or take 10%, but then inflation is still 10%. Um, you know, mortgage rates being so low as well. It's a very, very complicated way of seeing things. So, um, really for us, you know, I think fixing for the longer term does seem to be the sensible thing to do. You know, interest rates look like they're going to keep rising, because um, then it's predicted with money markets. So, I think if you, if you can and you will, Fix the longer time is probably a really, really good time to do that. And just to really bring that to life as well about how quickly things are moving. Um, you know, the mortgage market, let's be honest, is quite boring. Um, not much happens. It's quite slow. Uh, but not at the moment. Um, and they give a really good example. I'm going to pick on Barclays, not for any reason they've done anything untoward, but just they're such a large lender and they're a really good barometer of the market. They changed their rates twice last week. I can't ever remember, well, probably going back to 2008 and nine, but that was the only time banks were sort of changing products as frequently, and that was for very different reasons. This is just purely pricing. Uh, and also, they've got an internal booking system. So if you go to a submit mortgage application form, and you hit submit, you sometimes get a message saying, no, thank you, because they've used up all the money for the day. And that might happen four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it, it doesn't happen very frequently. But last week, we were getting those messages at 9.30 a.m. So we were either staying up past midnight to make applications, or um, you know, getting up like I do very early in the morning, like five, six o'clock in the morning, to submit applications. So this is what your broker does on your behalf. And just with the frequency of the rate changes, you know, we're having to explain to clients, look, this is the best rate today. If you come back to me next week, it's probably going to be different. It's certainly going to be a different lender. So we're not even bothering doing AIP for our clients anymore. We absolutely do our due diligence. You know, we'll get a look at the credit files, we'll do credit checks, we'll do affordability checks. We do all that ourselves. But there's no point doing that next step of going to a lender unless 
there's a specific need. So for example, if you want to know what the absolute maximum you can borrow is, it makes sense to do it then. If you've got a very complicated situation, we have to use a specific lender, absolutely it makes sense. Um, you know, so in those situations, you'd still do that. Uh, but if it's really like straightforward client, straightforward situation, there's no point doing five, six ARPs. That's just going to harm someone's credit score anyway. So it's really, really just the, the frequency of the rate movements, which I've never seen before, not in a, a normal market, you know, you go back to sort of the, the credit crunch where, where things move this frequently. And the very, very last point I just want to touch on briefly is, you know, we talked about the affordability and uh, inflation and all these things. So, where, and again, this is a different dynamic. Lenders are getting very, very cute now in how they offer loans. So for example, if you're single, got a good income, got a good deposit, nothing's changed for you. So the situation is exactly as it was at the start of the year. However, if you have children, if you have debts, and if you have debts and children, certain lenders are reducing what they're offering clients. Uh, to give you a very real example, so some clients of mine actually I was helping, uh, we actually had a mortgage offer through Santander, um, I think it was December last year, um, and they had a mortgage offer of 650,000. Um, nothing's materially changed in their situation, that their childcare costs have gone up a bit, but not massive. Their income's gone up a bit, so, that it, you know, sort of net position. Rerun the numbers with Santander today, they would only offer them 491,000. Now, they don't even have any debts, so that's a really, really big decrease for no change in their situation. Um, so lenders are getting very cute, and I think what they're looking at is who's going to be hit by this affordability squeeze, and it is those with debts and children, because you've got children, you've got young children particularly, you're buying nappies, formula, etc. You know, there's no getting away from it. So, so they're the people who are exposed to this. And again, this is probably where banks have moved on quite a lot, certainly in my 20 years of doing this, because in the past, what banks have just lower affordability for everyone, but now they're tweaking their affordability models. So the whole point to all of this really is if you had a mortgage rate that was uh, recommended to you more than two weeks ago, I suspect it's gone. If you had an agreement in principle or something lined up with a mortgage, I'd say anything three to four months ago, it's worth reviewing that because, and again, I'll take that same example of my clients that I helped. From my perspective, it's not a problem. You know, we just don't use Santander into another lender, so it's not, it's not a drama. But what I don't want or what I'd be certainly upset is if someone goes back to a bank, has to sort of lower their expectations or lower their purchase or whatever they want to do, there's absolutely no need. You know, and I think that's where brokers we come in and really, really earn our stripes. So. If you are struggling, if you're not getting the right rate, you're not getting the right outcomes, please talk to us because we literally set our alarm clocks at 5am to get our clients' products and we're doing all this stuff so that when you do find a property, it goes smoothly. And if you're refinancing, we'll talk to you as soon as possible to secure the best rate possible because, again, the earliest you can apply for a remortgage is about six months. We absolutely will be talking to our clients at that point because, you know, what those market money market rates tell us is the rates are going to keep going up and the quicker you can book a new product, the more money it's going to save you. So, um hopefully we can help if that's anything i've spoken through resonates you'd like to talk it through in more detail please pick up with yourself or the team and we would love to help you until next time thanks again